0: I've recently shared a small video on social media. I want to share the audio with you here on this episode today because I was thinking about a particular issue that I noticed, and it wasn't really evident to me when I came out of the hyper charismatic move, the NAR, until I started talking to other people that were coming out and they were sharing similar stories of grief and devastation, of shunning, of of accusations and different things that happen to them, or even just the in general being part of the specific movement where certain things are expected of you or you are told that you are, need to do these certain things in order to be powerful or to, to be anointed or to operate at full capacity, if you will. And I've had so many people reach out to me that have been encouraged by this, and I, and I thank the Lord for that, first and foremost. Um, I just want to share these things with you and see if maybe you can relate to it. You know, the past few years, there's been a lot of changes personally, and there's been a number of people that I've talked to that have had similar experiences as far as the different emotions that you go through when you're coming out of this type of movement. I mean, there's grief that you go through, there's frustration, there's the shock, there's anger, there's sadness, there's the feeling of loneliness. There's so many things that you deal with as you're coming out, and you're trying to figure out what happened and what's going on where do you go from here and one of the things I noticed and it wasn't evident to me until I started talking to other people that came out of it was the lack of peace that you had within this movement the lack of the peace of God That sounds like a really strange thing to say, doesn't it? I mean, you're supposed to be professing and and saying all these powerful things, but yet there is this push to do so much in order for you to be victorious and you to be powerful and you to be anointed. You think about it. For those of us familiar with this, if you just go through that fire tunnel one more time, if you just walk the floor enough, if you just shout loud enough, if you just worship Like if you just dance more during services, if you just lifted your hands more and you didn't seem like you were so dead and dried up and like you've been sucking on a bowl of lemons, if you just prayed enough, if you just fasted enough, if you just rebuked Satan enough, if you just bind the devil enough, if you just had that certain person lay hands on you, then you could be anointed and powerful and do all these great things for God, right? If you could just have another experience, if you could just have more dreams, if you could just have open visions, if you could just audibly hear the voice of God, then you would really draw close to God. If you just had this supernatural experience, but the thing is, it becomes like a fix. It's like an addict. It's just, I need the next hit. I need the next fix. I just need this in order to draw closer to God. I just need this. I just need that. And what you soon find is, is that you're on a hamster wheel. And that you don't really have the peace of God. But what I've come to figure out and to find out and to actually realize in the past few years and to be able to help other people understand and point them back to scripture and back to the gospel of Jesus Christ and back to Christ himself and not fixating on the devil so much is this. As you hear my son in the background, the peace of God has been so evident. And to be at peace with God, And to fix my mind, to fix my gaze on Christ, to look upward, to not be fighting all around me, to know that there is truly biblical spiritual warfare, but really it's the peace of God that no experience can buy. I hope that you'll stick around and join me as we look at having peace with God and the peace of God Hi there and welcome to the Love Six Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill and I am the Love Six Scribe. Well, this was one thing I started thinking about recently, as I said, when I was talking to other people, being able to specifically to minister to other women that were coming out of this movement that were reaching out to me, people I didn't even know, women I didn't know, that were reaching out to me and they were expressing confusion, they were expressing sorrow, um, frustration, they just didn't understand there were so many things they were going through and grappling with. And it it occurred to me in these conversations that there was peace that was lacking. It sounds so simple, but it's actually pretty profound when you think about it, because we have two different types of peace, which we'll talk about today, and there's a short little teaching I want to share with you from a really excellent Bible teacher. I would encourage you to check out his podcast. They've really been helpful to me as far as understanding Scripture better, and just one one source I can point you to, but there's two different types of peace that we have as Christians. We have peace with God, which is involved in our salvation and what Christ did for us, and there is the peace of God. And that is when we're going through circumstances and trials in our life. When I say that there is no peace, I mean that there's so much that's expected of you. And I understand that this is not exclusive to this particular movement. It can certainly happen in other areas of life and other things that aren't even related. But when I'm talking about having peace, the peace of God in situations, it was almost as if that you are constantly you know, on this, it is a hamster wheel. And I had a a sister in Christ, Emily Massey, who had mentioned this too, that she had expressed these very same things recently. It's, it's, it is like being on a hamster wheel. It is as if you are just you're not getting anywhere and you but you don't see that at the moment. You think you're just so anointed and you're so powerful and you have all of this ability and God has just given you all this authority and dominion and you are just bigger than the devil. You feel like 10 feet tall and bulletproof. You think the devil is afraid of you, which news flash, the devil is not afraid of you. He's a he's he fears God. And so, when we begin to think more highly of ourselves than we should, then we start putting ourselves on pedestals and positions and saying things that scripture does not say. So, that's what I want to talk about today having peace with God and the peace of God. And in order to make the distinction of what I'm talking about for those that may or may not relate to this, if you do relate to this, I've had some people reach out to me and say, just thinking about that very aspect, it brought me to tears, it brought me to be thankful to the Lord. I was you know, I was grateful for having peace with him now and, and understanding that or it, it just really resonated with all the emotions that you go through because there's a gamut of emotions that you go through. And one of the things I want to help with people today that may be listening that are coming out of this type of movement is that you can have peace with God and you can have the peace of God no matter what circumstance you're going through, no matter what situation you're going through, no matter sickness, no matter financial difficulty, no matter you lost your job, no matter you know, if if you have sick family members, if your marriage is in turmoil or your health is in turmoil or whatever's going on or you're just very grieved over what's going on in society, whatever that is, there are so many things that we can really spend time in prayer and focusing on. We can still have the peace of God in the midst of those situations even when we don't see what we're praying for. And I and I'll say this for myself personally and then I'm going to share several clips with you from this type of movement that I was involved in just to give you an idea of some of the things some of us may have heard or you may not even be aware that some of these things are being said and taught. But as for myself and that even in the past few years, I personally had come to a place that were there were serious things that had happened in my life the past few years as I've talked about in past episodes. And it came to a pinnacle of realizing, of understanding biblical prayer, of understanding that it was okay to be weak before the Lord, and then growing and understanding in in my walk with the Lord of what the real peace of God was. And the real peace of God wasn't that I got my way all the time. And it wasn't that I got what I decreed and declared all the time. And it wasn't that, that everything went as I wanted it to. It was even in the midst of all of the chaos and the, the turmoil that could have been going on or the difficulties or the scary situations, the scary moments, the the anxieties, the fears. If I'm going to be honest with you, there were times that I struggled with anxiety over the past few years with the situations we were faced with in our family. There were fears, there were legitimate fears that I faced. But in the midst of that, coming back and drawn close to the Lord in prayer through his word continuing to not forsake the gathering of the assembly to be okay with being weak before fellow sisters in Christ and to ask for prayer and then to see God do the things that he did and to to for lack of better words to open doors if you will metaphorically to open doors for us to be able to get the assistance needed when my husband needed medical attention or and to finally start understanding what it meant to rest in the peace of God, even when I didn't get what I ultimately wanted or asked for in prayer, and still being content with that because God's good, and God is faithful. Even when I don't see what I want, He's faithful. But again, when I go back to this whole thing of the hamster wheel, when you're in this type of movement, it's high expectancy. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. Well, you can't be victorious unless you do A, B, and C, and then someone else has another A, B, C, or D, E, F, G, H list that they want to give to you in order for you to be victorious. And then on top of that, you're always fighting demons, which again, I know that there is spiritual warfare, There is, and there is proper biblical spiritual warfare that we need to be aware of as Christians. But there is always this seeming battle that we're going through all the time and that we're having to battle and rebuke Satan and bind demons and do this and do that. And if you're not doing that then you're not really anointed and powerful and you're not doing what you should be doing and you don't have victory in your life because you're not doing all the things that this apostle or this prophet told you to do or this person told you to do. And you're not abiding in this teaching that you're you're supposed to read in these other books that are supposed to give you other extra biblical revelation other than what scripture tells you to do which last time I checked, you know, 2 Timothy Timothy 3.16 says that Scripture is God-breathed, and it's profitable for correction, for rebuke. It's it's enough. It is sufficient for training up the, the man of God in righteousness. And it helps us to understand these things. And so when we start thinking that we have to gain other revelation from someone else outside of Scripture, extra-biblical revelation that is supposed to be on par with, with what God said in His Word, even though people will negate that and deny that— it's still, if you don't believe and agree and adhere to what they're saying, then the card is pulled out. Well, you're a Pharisee, a religious spirit, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I want to share some clips with you today. <laughs> I want to share some clips with you today that show you some examples. This is not an exhaustive list, but I was going through and trying to find some things that may help shed light on this for those that may not be able to understand, that may not understand or relate to it or resonate. And then this may resonate with some of you that have come out of this here's some of the things that you may hear dealing with spiritual warfare. So for example, it, it's not, you can't just simply have a sore throat anymore or have a cold or congestion going on. I've had this for the past week that goes on and off and it kind of messes with my voice where I have had had a cold and I have some congestion. No, whenever this happens, this is something that is potentially said about it. And uh, the example I'm going to use is from Jennifer LeClaire.
1: I you Jezebel the spirit of Jezebel is attacking throats in this season why is Jezebel attacking throats to silence your voice you might hear that my voice sounds
0: a little bit hoarse my voice has been under attack my throat has been under attack now for weeks it'll start getting better and then it'll get worse because this is an incessant consistent persistent attack against my voice and maybe you are seeing this in your life or maybe you'll see it in the future but I'm gonna break this assignment even now in Jesus name I take authority over every assignment against our our throat against our voice, and in the name of Jesus we put our foot on the neck of the enemy. In Jesus' name we decree and declare that our voice will be amplified in the nations, and we will not succumb to any attack against our voice
1: in Jesus' name. Play that again.
0: No, I'm not gonna play that again. And what's interesting is again you hear the decreeing and declaring, and again, I used to do those things. This is someone coming out of this movement that used to do these things. So I understand what she's doing. And I also noticed, too, that she said, well, you're covering the bases. So for those of you, and I'm dealing with this, so, you know, you're probably dealing with this, or if you deal with it in the future, there's this whole belief here that if any time your voice is attacked like this, whenever you get congestion or you have something going on like this, then it's attack of, the Je- of Jezebel. So this is what you got to do. This is one facet of spiritual warfare is anytime you get sick that you need to bind it and rebuke it. It's always from the devil that there you have to engage in this spiritual warfare and you have got to identify what spirit's attacking you. And lo and behold, most of the time they say it's Jezebel that's attacking you, especially if it's your voice, because especially if you're a self-professing prophet, because then it has to be Jezebel because she's always going after the prophets. Yeah. So, the next one I want to share is maybe something you're not familiar with. Maybe you didn't realize that you need to be praying over the things that you're buying at Goodwill because you never know what could be attached to them.
1: Says I buy a lot of clothes and other items at Goodwill and other secondhand shops, recently my mom told me that I need to pray over the items, bind familiar spirits, and bless the items before I bring them into the house. Is my mother correct? Can demons attach themselves to material items? I heard a story in, in um, I believe, uh, the Philippines, a person who went to Thailand, there was a, uh, a witch who had prayed over a particular ring and asked for a spirit to come into it. Well, this Philippine girl was so attached to this ring she had to buy it. She bought it, and all hell broke loose. So she finally recognized what it was. So, can demonic spirits attach themselves to, to uh, inanimate objects? The answer is yet, but I don't think every sweater you get from Goodwill has demons in it. <laughs> but in a sense, uh, your mother's just being super cautious. So, hey, uh, it, it did not hurt you, I think, to, to rebuke any spirits that happen to attach themselves to those uh, clothes.
0: Now, in all fairness, Pat Robertson did laugh at the end. And this, again, was an old clip. But to say that, you know, there's no harm in doing this. But again, do we need to be doing this is the question. Uh, This sounds more like paganistic type behavior than what is instructed of a believer in Christ. What happens when you have someone such as, I don't know, Sid Roth from years ago in this particular broadcast that is telling people this instruction regarding tongues?
2: I can't do it for you but I can tell you how to pray in supernatural languages. So you start speaking like little baby words and say them as fast as you humanly can when I begin to pray. And when the supernatural will become natural as you take a step, Peter. Raise your hands to holy God. And begin to pray in a language you've never been instructed. If you don't move your tongue and speak, no one else will do it. I know you don't know what to say. Make little nonsense syllables up. They're not nonsense. But the first word's coming out of your spirit, do it faster. faster. I said faster. I said faster you can do it faster than that if I had a gun in your ribs, you'd <laughs> do it
3: faster. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Their area where people may believe that they need assistance to be more powerful and to take authority and they don't feel like they have peace at all is when they're having dreams that they can't explain what they what they're coming from, but they believe that they're demonic in nature. I don't
3: look for a demon behind every bush, but when it's there, I want to know how to deal with it. And I found three very common ways that demons can get into your dreams. So let's break this down. Number one is old doors. So sometimes in our lives, there are old doors. There are things we've been involved in, practices we engaged in. It could be something if it's in the area of a, uh, a lustful type of t- temptation, maybe something that uh, we've got a weakness and a vulnerability and an old door. I've seen people that came out of um, occultic practices and they've repented and they've gotten born again, but the enemy's trying to reopen that old door. So sometimes it's an old door. And here's the thing that you need to do. Examine what is open and then close them in prayer. So if you came out of something in the area of lust and promiscuity or some kind of situation like that, maybe you kind of slipped up recently. Maybe you've been looking at some imagery and things that are not overt sin, but they're opening up a desire in your heart. And the enemy is now showing up in your dreams, trying to move through that old door. So it's very important that you recognize that the first thing to do is don't partner with condemnation, but recognize this may be an old doorway that the enemy trying to crack open or maybe I've allowed it to be cracked open. And so it's important you examine it and then close it in prayer. Another very common way that demons will show up in your dreams is what I call the law of association. So a big thing people have said to me through the years, they've said, um, I was you know, fine, I was not having any issues, and all of a sudden I had like a series of four or five days of fear dreams, and I don't understand where these dreams came from. I'm confused about this. Sometimes, especially if you carry a sensitivity spiritually, it is the result of an atmosphere you've been in or people you've been around. This also happens frequently with lust dreams and sexual dreams, is that sometimes you've been around somebody, and, and what's on them is, is trying to open up some things in your life. I call it the law of association.
0: So What happens if you're associating with someone in the grocery store? You're just talking to them, having a little chat with them. Maybe the person that's bagging up your groceries. You can't even walk through someplace where you're around somebody because their demons might get off on you or might affect you in some way that you may not realize and then your dreams are going to be affected. But here's another thing. This actually took place in a service that I was part of.
3: I'm irritated in my spirit because I feel there's a handful of people in here with a resistant spirit and you either need to get in the flow or you need to go to Starbucks because the rest of us are going in tonight I'm sorry I'm just telling you don't call yourself a prophet a teacher an intercessor and you can't pray when everybody's praying the devil is a liar God wants to do something tonight but I break the spirit of resistance in the name of Jesus I command every religious spirit every resistant spirit i command you in the name of jesus christ of nazareth the the blood is against you i lose the power of the blood tonight i'm sunday shut down i command intercession to arise tonight i command travail to arise here it goes just loose yourself into it just loose yourself there's a well that god wants to open up tonight
0: or you could also have the example for those that may relate to this is You know, the ones that really want to worship are the ones that are going to come forward. They're going to jump up and down. They're going to be exuberant. They're going to be shouting, dancing, all this kind of things, basically to show that you're not dried, dead, sucking on a bowl of lemons, like I said in that brief video I shared on social media. Hallelujah. Okay, listen, keep playing, keep playing. It's a little crowded in here, right?
3: So I know some of y'all are are wild and radical worshipers. Raise your hand if if you're real, true worshipers. you're a wild, radical worshiper, come and fill up the front here, because we're going to have a Holy Ghost party. Don't be afraid. Get out of your seats. Yes, come on. Get out of your seats. Come on. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Get free. Get free. Get free. And if your spirit just told you, don't go up there. You're showing out. Tell your spirit to shut up and come up here. Come on.
0: Yeah. So if you're reserved and you're really, and you don't want to worship that way, you you praise and worship the Lord um, in spirit and truth. And you're doing it to where you're not being showy and you're not trying to draw attention to yourself. You're still looked down upon as, you know, you're, you're just, you're religious. You're just bound up. You're not free. And you can hear what she said about the true worshipers, that the true, who's a true worshiper, meaning the ones that jump up and down, exuberant, that they go all out. They're radical worshipers. That's the type of tone that is set, whether that's, and I don't know the intentions of her heart in saying that. When you say things like that, and again, those are things I used to say too, so I can relate to them, and I've had to judge myself for those things. When you say things like that, and you don't think about the fact of what you're saying that to say that, and to tell everybody they have to worship that way, and if they don't worship that way, then they're wrong, and they don't have the Holy Spirit, and they're just, they're not free. They're in bondage. When you have to proclaim something like that, then you are actually putting bondages on people and you don't even realize it, that there are people that can just as powerfully worship and praise the Lord without having to do the, do those things and be showy and draw attention to themselves. So there, there's those examples, you know, what, do you have peace? Can anybody relate to having peace in, in those types of environments? Have you ever heard things like that? where you felt like you weren't worshiping the way you should, if you didn't, if you just danced more, if you raised your hands more, if you just didn't stand there like a knot on a log, if you did what the apostle or the prophet or the worship leader was yelling at you and telling you what to do and was rebuking you in the middle of praise and worship or trying to exhort you in whatever way to do that. Here's another example that I didn't cover in that video. What happens if you are pressured to to give more, that you're just not giving enough? Because that's what really protects you from the attacks of the enemy.
2: This is not the time to fear. This is not the time to trust the world.
0: By the way, this is Benny Hinn, and he is talking in March of this year, during the time when the Ukrainian-Russian war is going on, and this is the context by which he is saying this.
2: Because it can collapse overnight. This is the time to trust God in every part of life, especially now financially. I would advise all of you to become more givers now than you've ever been in your life. If you want protection, because this is the time to sow, because it will protect you because it says so. Ecclesiastes 11, 2, it says, give a portion of seven, also of eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. What a great promise, that God will protect his people. I have not seen the righteous forsaken, not a seed begging for bread.
0: What happens if you can't give more because of you've lost your job or you don't have the finances to do it, that you need to pay your bills and take care of your family, and you're in a position at that point in the season of your life that you can't do those certain things or that you can't give as much as you used to want to give for those that have dealt with that? Does that mean that your giving is less? What if you can't give and you're hearing someone like Benny Hinn say that, and then you feel like, well, I can't give more. So what's going to happen to my family? I'm not going to be protected like he's telling me. Do you, I mean, do you see, I have a couple more to share with you, but do you see how this this breeds, it actually breeds fear in people. And it breeds this way of you're never at peace. There is this constant battle that you're in that you never have the peace of God. There's a couple more I'm going to share with you, but the giving one is a big one. It's a big one, especially in this type of movement. What happens when you have things like this said? by by people about how they they have these radical encounters with God and and you're wondering well why don't I have these radical encounters with God what, what am I not doing that I that I ha- can have these radical encounters with God that I can hear the voice of God audibly for myself that I can do these great exploits for Christ and do all these amazing things and just have another supernatural encounter what am I not doing that this is not happening for me well these people can tell you
2: How can we do what you do? What you do reads like the book of Acts, maybe even stronger. And let's face it, most Christians live a very boring life.
3: I totally agree. I've made it my goal, Sid, to take people out of boredom and into an adventure with God. We we owe the world an encounter. So how do we host that encounter in our life? I found there is a secret, ancient way of waiting on God that unlocks the supernatural in your life. This is the key. Waiting on God puts you in a place for visitation.
0: This sounds very mystical to me. There's a secret way, a hidden way that that he's found in order to hear from God and to have these exploits because your life is boring as a Christian. If you're dealing if you're doing everyday things as for example as myself as a housewife, the day-to-day things that I do in taking care of my children, taking care of the home, provide, taking care of what my husband needs, and and what my children need, and doing the other things that I do, that's boring because I'm not doing these other things that I should be doing that equal or look like an exciting life for Christ. Instead of viewing what I'm doing as doing it unto the Lord in word and deed, doing it unto the Lord, glorifying Christ. I, I'm by the way, newsflash. I you know I myself and and those that are housewives. Um, and and stay-at-home moms, you can glorify Christ in what you're doing. And it, if it's under the Lord, you doing laundry, you washing dishes, you taking care of your children, even when it's difficult to do that, and they're climbing the walls, and you need to peel them off the ceiling, or they're having a meltdown, a full-blown meltdown, um, in the middle of the grocery store on you. Those things are under the Lord. We we've, we've made it to where people have to have supernatural encounters. And then they have to sell products to people in order to continue to perpetuate this. And we've made that the the standard. That's that's the the gold standard, if you will. That's the high water mark. And if you can testify of some supernatural encounter and that you can show that, then that's that marks you as the a super duper believer in Christ and to be emulated and to be oohed and awed over. But then what happens to, to those that are living their day-to-day lives and they're glorifying God in doing excellence in the workplace? They're, they're testifying of, the, they're doing things under the Lord and they're glorifying Christ in, their, in word and deed and they're ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is what all of us as believers are supposed to be doing. We're all called to evangelize and to proclaim the gospel. Is that not exciting enough? So it's boring that, that we're boring. Yeah. Here's another one I want to share from Patricia King saying something. And then I have one more clip and then we're going to go into scripture and we're going to be encouraged by scripture and what it has to say about the peace with God and, and and the peace of God
2: make godly choices that will help bring heaven down onto the earth where nothing is impossible. Create environments of love, victory, and faith in every facet of life.
1: Partnership with God through the leading of His Spirit and through the tools that He gives that you could create an atmosphere of heaven on earth in your home, in your workplace, in the marketplace, everywhere that you go, that you could actually go and shift atmospheres for the glory of God, bringing light into darkness, bringing atmospheres of love where there's hate. Imagine that. you Whole life could be transformed.
2: This one-of-a-kind course will ratify, activate, and prophesy God's infallible Word over your life.
1: When you build a realm or you build an atmosphere, it'll follow you wherever you go. It's by the
2: Spirit of the Lord. Patricia will teach you how to worship and have intimacy with God like never before. Understand how to have a sacred time in His glory and presence. No matter how bad the world gets, when you operate in supernatural creativity, when you operate in such atmospheric presence of God, no weapon formed against you will prosper. I can't wait for Patricia King to mentor you in how to walk in the atmosphere of God 24-7. Don't miss out on getting Patricia King's supernatural life-changing course, Create Your World, which includes her book, interactive study guide, plus her powerful 15-part teaching on five audio CDs. Yours for a donation of $59. Shipping and handling is included.
0: So, there again, the perpetual thing of, well, you can do all of these things, and then you can have the things that you really desire in your life. It, it, it's, it's, ba- it's that basic type of teaching of, well, if you'll just do these certain things, then you can create an environment in your house where miracle signs and wonders will happen or that they'll follow you wherever you go. Or if you do these certain things that this person's telling you and you also purchase their product, then you'll be able to do these great exploits. And then you'll be able to do these fantastical things. And then you'll be able to be anointed. And then you'll be able to have supernatural encounters. And then you'll be able to hear the voice of God. And it goes on and on and on. And it really does become become like an addiction, um, not only that you don't have peace with the peace of God, but it becomes addictive because then you're going to services. I can recall for myself personally going to services and thinking, I wonder what God's going to speak to me. I wonder if so-and-so is going to call me out and I'm going to get this personal prophetic word in front of everybody. It's continual. It's this thing of you're so self-centered and thinking about yourself and how you're going to benefit instead of having the mindset of, I get to go and worship God with other fellow believers. I get to lift up the name of Christ. I get to hear teaching from the Word of God that's going to help me to learn how to apply it as a believer in Christ in a normal day-to-day way. We've made it to where everything has to be so sensational that people no longer know what the peace of God really is. They know they don't even focus on that. We have no understanding apart from Scripture and apart from Christ what true peace with God is the peace with God, the peace of God. We don't have any understanding of that. We've been sensitized to expect in these types of movements, the hyper, the hyper emotional, the, the supernatural, these great encounters. And if you don't have all this stuff, then God's not in it. And then you're kind of left wondering, well, well, what is there then? If there, if the, if the lighting is not set right, and this is all not going on and I can't feel what God's doing then there's no power in it. And there's no anointing in it. And there's no fire in it, or there's no oil on it. And all the different euphemisms that people um, ascribe to these, these different areas, these uh, movements and such that go on these services and really wanting to go to higher levels and to have these supernatural experiences. And it becomes addictive to where it's just not enough. So You know, you go from one one service to another and you're looking for all these different experiences and these encounters and these prophetic words and you're looking for these things that are going to satisfy you and you're looking for peace with God. And you're looking for the peace of God in circumstances. And you're looking at how another way to decree and declare something away and how to rebuke and bind the devil and how to not take responsibility for sin in your life, but instead have inner healing done or have deliverance done because you've been told by people that you have demons dwelling within you as a believer in Christ. And then you have to have all these other things done. And there's no peace in that. And there's no biblical truth in that either, by the way. It creates this addictive behavior. And then at the same time, you're also on a hamster wheel because you're not going anywhere. All you're doing is you're just spinning your wheels and you're just staying in one place and you're continuing to try to do the same things in order to resolve issues or to battle with something going on in your life to get victory. So you've always got to be attacking the devil and binding the devil and resisting and rebuking the devil and doing all these other things. And then you've got to continue to, in order to have victory, you have to have all these experiences and hear the voice of God. And you really got to do A, B, C, and D in order to do it. That's my whole point. There's no peace in that. There's one last clip I want to share with you, too, I came across this morning. This is Kevin Zadai that I've shared uh, some of his stuff before, but he's talking about what Jesus told him in heaven about having authority, and I thought this was interesting to share, and I wanted to look at the scripture a little bit about Mark 16, 15, because he points to this and talks about it, and he kind of says something here, and I don't think he means for it to be a a condemning statement that he makes, but it does actually sound very condemning and accusatory when you think about it, and almost makes you feel like that you don't have any power unless you're doing these certain things
2: and because of that I didn't know my potential but I was rewarded for what I did but I was I was not operating at what I should so there's benefits these benefits are so beyond did you know that every believer is supposed to raise the dead did you know that every believer is supposed to lay hands on the sick and they're there to recover did you know that every believer is supposed to drive out devils did you know that every believer is supposed to preach the gospel you know, Jesus gave a commission to anyone who believes. He said, these signs shall follow the believing ones, the believers in me. That's what he said. This is not for just certain people. So what you call favorites, you know, like, oh, God, you know, he must be one of God's favorites because he has all these things happen to him. He or she has all these things happening. God really must think that, you know, think that they're special. I want to be like them. No, no. What we call favorites, I'm, I'm looking at the great commission, and Jesus saying, listen, this is just for a believer. They're going to do all these things. Well, when, when's the last time that you rose somebody from the dead? You know when's the last time that you that you drove out a devil? You know, every believer is supposed to be doing that. And this this isn't even favor here. This is just this is just God's commission for you as a believer. That's what I'm trying to show you. When I was in heaven, I realized that there weren't certain people in the body of Christ that were manifesting healing and manifesting the power of the resurrection where people being raised from the dead. Um, I, I thought that those were just because of their calling or what, or what God had favored them. But I realized in heaven that Jesus had bought this back for everyone. Everyone was supposed to operate in this.
0: Yeah, so let's take a look real quick at Mark 16, 15, just for an example. Then we're going to look at Scripture and be encouraged together um, and understand Understanding the peace of God and be, and being at peace with God, but when he looks at Mark sixteen, that which this is a good a good rule of thumb to do. So whenever someone references scripture, you need to be opening your Bible and you need to be reading along. Even as a lay person, you need to be reading along and making sure that what they're saying is the is um, is correct. And first of all, it needs to be in the right context. So when you look at Mark 16, 15 through 18, it's a passage, for example, that was, it's well quoted in these movements, and it's referred to that this is what we're supposed to be doing. All believers are supposed to be doing this. There's a couple of things to point out with Mark 16, 15 through 18, actually verses 9 through 20. This is what's called a textual variant. So if you're not familiar with textual variants, um, there's a few of these that are in Scripture that uh, when they're not found in the earliest manuscripts, such as uh, Mark 16, 9 through 20, those verses are not found in the earliest manuscripts. It doesn't discredit Scripture by any means. It simply shows us that some of the earlier manuscripts do not contain these verses, and not containing these verses doesn't mean that it changes the validity of Scripture, and it also does not mean that it changes the foundation of Christian theology. So whether these passages were in Scripture or not does not change the, fundament, the fundamental uh, foundation of Christian theology, of what was taught in Scripture in the New Testament, uh, the apostolic teaching that comes from um, the New Testament, And our understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ that can be traced in type and shadow through the Old Testament, and it's revealed in the New Testament. But when we see a textual variant, such as Mark 16, and we're looking at verses 15 through 18, that's often quoted, and and people are told, well, you're supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to be laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. You're supposed to be casting out demons. You're supposed to be speaking in, in new tongues. You're supposed to be picking up, of course, they they fail to mention, you're supposed to be picking up serpents, and you're supposed to be drinking deadly poison, um, because they want to make that into a symbolic type thing or an allegorical thing that it's not literal, but yet every other part of that scripture is literal to them. So they want to pick and choose for those that hold on to that but if you look at the context of who jesus is speaking to and you back up even a verse before that and then you read the verses after that you're going to see that this textual variant in verse 14 even says that he appeared the 11 they were reclining at the table he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen So he's rebuking them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart. So he tells them, the disciples, to the eleven, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. What did he just do that we were told in verse 14? He rebuked them for not believing for their unbelief so he's telling them it looks like from the context those of you who believe you 11 these are the things you're going to do because that is going to authenticate their ministry is from jesus christ because he did the same things which pointed back to him being the messiah to him being christ to being the second person of the trinity to being the son of god who came to take the, the sins of the world. And then in verse 19, it says, So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. It's really important that you look at passages in, in context. These were passages, 16, 15 through 18, were were verses I spe- I per- I personally quoted for years when in correlation with operating in power. But we have to w- be willing to read it in context, even with a textual variant. You have to be willing to. Now, when we look at the peace of God and peace with God, again, there's two different understandings of that. So I want to play a clip for you from Steve Lawson. I found this. He's a, a Bible teacher, I found. I encourage you, as podcasts available, you can uh, listen to those. He um, exposits scripture more descriptively. There's many good teachers out there. This is just one of many that is excellent and is biblically sound. So I'm going to play this clip for you when he talks about the peace of God and peace with God to make a distinction.
1: I want to talk about the word peace. Uh, The Bible uses the word peace in two different ways, and I want us to be familiar with those two ways. Uh, There is subjective peace and there is objective peace. Now let me tell you what I mean by that. Subjective peace is the peace of God. Uh, It's in the heart. Um, In the background of our lives, there is all kinds of chaos and conflict and trials and tribulations. And in the midst of these difficult seasons of life, God supernaturally gives to us His peace. Uh, Jesus said in John 14, 27, My peace I leave unto you. Peace not as the world gives. My peace I give unto you. And in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, Uh, Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There, subjective peace means our experience of calm in the midst of the storms of life. Um, It is an inner uh, tranquility, um, a settledness within our soul, and it can only come from God as we trust in Him and know that He is sovereignly in control of the circumstances of our lives. So that is subjective peace. As we come in the book of Romans to chapter 5, verse 1, Paul writes, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This refers to objective peace, peace with God. It concerns our relationship with God. And the fact that when we are justified, we enter into a new state of being at peace with God, clearly implies that previous to this, we were at war with God. We were at enmity with God. In fact, Romans 5, 10, 11 says that we were enemies of God. We were in cosmic rebellion against God. We were defiant of God. uh, No matter what that looked like in our life, whether it was just outward anarchy or just inward indifference towards God, either way, we were at war with God. And the fact is, God was at war with us Uh, he uh, He is righteously angry with the wicked every day. But through the gospel, through the act of justification by which God declares us to be righteous, we go from being at war with God to being at peace with God. And God is at peace with us. We enter into a new state of acceptance with God. The word reconciliation actually means an exchange, and the idea is an exchange of status with God that once we were at war with Him, now we have a new state of being at peace with God. Um, This is the good news of the gospel, that we are at peace with God. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because Jesus absorbed our wrath upon the cross in our place. There's now no further wrath to be poured out upon us, so we, we are completely at peace with God. When you come to Christ, when you believe in Him, when you Come to the cross and put your entire trust in His saving death. You enter into a state of being at peace with God. And so I want to ask you, do you know what it is to be at peace with God? Have you entered into this favored state? If you never have, then I invite you, I call you to repent of your sins and to put your faith in Christ alone. And for those of you who have entered into this peace with God, give thanks to God, Uh, worship Him and thank Him for giving His Son to die upon the cross for our sins so that there is now no condemnation because we are in Christ Jesus.
0: So you can see there from the teaching that Steve Lawson just provided, that there is a difference between the peace with God, which comes through the reconciliation and the atonement for our sin Christ paid for on the cross. There's a big difference between that and us no longer being at enmity with God or being hostile to God or being rebellious against God. But now we are his children. We are at peace with God because of Jesus Christ. And this peace with God, it means that our consciences are cleared, Uh, We see this in, for example, in Titus chapter three, verse five, it says he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And so there's no longer that guilt there because Christ has once for all paid for the, the penalty of our sins, which is the wrath of God. That's what we all deserve apart from Christ is the wrath of God. So we're saved from the wrath of God. And this this guilt is taken away from us, this penalty, this punishment is taken away from us because of the sin and rebellion, because of Jesus. There's no more shame associated with that, and now we're adopted into his family as children of God. And this peace with God also allows us to be free from the fear of death. Um, the fear of what's going to happen to us in eternity that we actually have a hope to look forward to. We we have something to look forward to when this earthly life is over, that we get to spend eternity with with God and we get to enjoy him forever. We get to worship him forever. We get to enjoy him forever. And that our hope is secure in that, in that knowledge, that Jesus has done all that was necessary to make us right with God. So we have that, that peace with God. Now, the peace of God is that subjective state that Steve was talking about. And and this goes back to that settledness, as he said, that we have within us, that in the midst of difficult situations, of trials, of circumstances... That we have that, that peace, the peace of God that sustains us and it comforts us. Does that mean that we always get what we want? No, it does not. It does not mean that. But we can have the peace of God in the midst of that. Now, how does this relate to the fact of us being believers in christ and being a part of something where people are saying well you have to have a deliverance done or inner healing done or you have to you have to lift your hands in worship you have to jump up and down or you just don't have the spirit of god and some of these are being overly exaggerated i get that and some of them are not being overly exaggerated because i've actually heard some of these things in services in the past and i'm sure other people have as well and again, I don't know the intent um, and, and someone's heart behind saying those things. And they could very well be meaning well to say that. But that doesn't mean that it's true. And that doesn't mean it doesn't need correction. This is what I want to end with today and to help those that have been in this movement and that you recognize that there has not been that peace. First of all, make sure that, you've, that you understand the gospel. And whenever I talk to people, that's one of the first things I tell them when I talk to women about this is that you need to make sure that you understand the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And I present the gospel to them to make sure that they know and that they've heard the truth and they understand. So that way they're not they're not one that thinks that they're saved because of something they did or they just prayed a prayer, but or and essentially is a false convert or had an experience or an encounter or something like that, that they can testify of You're you being a believer in Christ is centered on the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Anything apart from that is questionable. Because if your salvation is not based on what Christ did, and instead it's based on, oh, I had a radical encounter with Jesus, and I saw him in my bedroom, and I've just never been the same since then, and I do this, this, and this, and this is how I demonstrate that I know God, because I do miracles, signs, and wonders, but you can't share the gospel with somebody, that's a big red flag. So, Make sure that you understand what it means to have peace with God, meaning there's no other way to the Father but through Jesus Christ and understanding and hearing the gospel proclaimed. Having the peace of God is understanding that your contentment in this life is not based on you having a dream, having a trance, having an open vision. It's not based on you going through a fire tunnel five times. It's not based on some alleged, some self-professing apostle or prophet laying their hands on you and saying they're imparting something to you or that they're anointing you. That's not what where the peace of God comes from. The peace of God is in trusting the Lord when you are in a serious situation, when you are in a situation where you feel like there's no hope, there's no answer all around, but you know that God is is with you, that you trust him no matter what the outcome will be. And there is that settledness. That is a great word that he used, by the way, because there, I had a hard time finding a word for that. But there is that settledness in knowing, okay, God, I trust you. All things work together for the good of those who love you according to Romans 8. And I'm not going to despise even the things that I don't think that are deemed good that are working to for for the good of my walk with you maybe to bring me closer to you or sanctify me whatever that looks like. But when we're talking about these these need this need to amp ourselves up and to we have to show that we are true worshipers by our jumping up and down and our shouting and and our exuberance. And that's how we show a radical or we show that we truly know God because we had a dream that he gave us a dream or he came into our bedroom and walked through the door and he breathed on us and commissioned us to do these certain things or that something happened to me and I stood on my head in, in in a service. You know, there's different testimonies of this or I shook and I had fire all over me. I felt like I had fire and I was screaming and yelling and you know we we see these things and we hear about these experiential things and there is a tendency, especially if you're in this type of movement, to say, oh, well, that's how I know that person knows God. And then we begin to go, well, I'm really deficient because I haven't had Jesus walk into my bedroom. And I haven't felt like I was burning on fire when I fell on the floor. And I haven't stood on my head. And I haven't, you know, done this and done that and had an open vision. And we'll get into this place of, Oh, I'm battling against something. It's got to be the devil. I've got to start praying in tongues. I've got to start binding the devil and rebuking him. Well, I've got, this certain, I've got this particular sin in my life that I'm dealing with. Well, I must have a demon. So I've got to go get deliverance and inner healing done. And I've got to deal with some of my generational curses. Oh, I've got to go through this fire tunnel. And I've got to go through two more times because I just want more of God. And I know if I can just have a certain feeling when I go through that fire tunnel, that then I'll have everything I want. But you won't. And that's the point, is that you'll continue to do these things thinking that it's going to answer, that it's going to satisfy you. But it's not going to satisfy you, because that's looking for an experience. And we're not ever told to do that. We're told to follow Christ. And you don't have to have some sort of experience to validate you as a Christian. I know I've said that before, but I'm going to say it again, because this brought such peace. It brought peace, the peace of God, to know I rest in what Christ did, his finished work on the cross. That doesn't mean that I sit around and eat Cheetos all day and that I don't do anything. That simply means that my soul is at rest. I'm at peace. I'm at peace with God because of the atonement on the cross. And I have the peace of God that surpasses all my understanding, meaning I can't comprehend it, but I understand because his word says it. And I believe what his word says because it's the truth. And God is a God of truth. He does not lie, and he is a God of peace. Peace for those that belong to him in saying, you can rest in me even when it doesn't feel like you can rest in the world. When Jesus told his disciples in John 14, he said, peace I leave with you in verse 27. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We don't need to fear anything. The, the, the peace that we have, the peace of God, we can rest in those difficult circumstances. And you know what? We can rest in knowing that our faith is not based on personal experience. It's not based on sensationalism. It's not based on hype. It's not based on me being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and being able to roll around the floor and jump up and down and shout and clap my hands. It's not based on any of that. It's based on Christ, and for those that have come out of this, and or in any other similar type of situation, and you just felt you just realize looking back, you retrospectively you're going, I just had no peace in that. Meaning not in a super spiritual way, but I think you get what I'm saying is that there's just no rest. It, it, essentially, it's resting in God and trusting in Him. And it ultimately becomes works based when you feel like you have to do all of this stuff. It, I've talked about it before. It's charismatic legalism. It all comes back to oh, I have to do all of this. I have to do all of this in order to prove that I am super spiritual. No, you don't. Read the word, it gives you the instruction in how you demonstrate spiritual maturity, how you demonstrate your faith, your faith in God. Faith is not a force, it's not the subject, it's not the object. God is the object of our faith. So I hope that this has been helpful to you. I hope it makes sense to those that, that hear this and that you'll take time to look at Scripture rest in, and rest in the peace of God. And above all, make, make sure that you are at peace with God. And that can only come through the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the saving faith in our beloved Savior, our beloved Lord and Savior, who died on the cross for our sins and took upon him the full wrath of God, and who rose from the dead, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he rules and reigns forever. And we can rest. We can rest in God and and have peace with God, and have the peace of God. Be at peace if you've come out of this, knowing that none of those things, none of those experiences define you. Christ is who defines you. Be blessed today by this word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the word and loving the one who is the word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.